I'm coming next year. Or somebody will put a date somewhere and say, Jesus will come in the year 2018. By August, you should be ready. He's not going to do that. He will just come. His coming is imminent. There's no notice. And the conditions for meeting him has not changed. That's the third point we have been told over and over again. The conditions for meeting the Lord has not changed. In Second Peter 3.14, he says, he tells us that we should be ready to meet him without spots, without a wrinkle. That's the condition that he said. Each time he comes to take us, he should meet us without spots, without a wrinkle. And these are the things we have heard. We have been taught over and over again, and we have heard these things. So, having heard these things, and today we are going, we are hearing again that every man that has this hope, has this hope, purifies himself. What hope are we talking about? Earlier, when I got saved, there was a dream I had, and uh, it was like God was showing me the kind of life that people live, that two ways people live as Christians. One is that there's this group that moves in this sinusoidal curve. You know what mathematics calls sinusoidal curve? Up, down, up, down, up, down. Mountain today, valley tomorrow, mountain today, valley tomorrow, and they continue. You see, may the mercies of God meet such a person that he be met on the mountain. And there is this other group also who through faith has a steady climb in the faith and keep going and keep going and keep going. So I don't know the path you are treading, but I want us to know that this topic God has brought to help me and help you so that we will not run this race in vain. You know, Paul said that one of the greatest things that will happen to us is that after running this race, preaching Christ, and I will be a castaway. That's the worst thing that can happen to any man. That I have gone on evangelism. I have done so many things for the Lord. I have even gone to Amarfo. I have gone to Boca. I have done this. I have done the other one. And after it, because of impurity on that skirt that no other person is seeing, and I carried it and felt that because I am a Bible study teacher, I am a follow-up teacher, and I didn't do anything about it. And that impurity draws me away. On the day that I meet the Lord, I become ashamed. And that will be the worst thing that has happened to any man. And I pray it will not be a portion in Jesus' name. Shall we go back to where we read? I like the version she used, the Living Bible. But I will read it from the New Living Translation also. First John 3. Let's read from verse 1 to 10 again. Say, see how much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children, because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not, he has not yet shown us what we will be like. When Christ, when Christ appears, but we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this hope, this eager expectation, will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins. And there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But whoever, anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, 
Don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil, who has been sinning from the beginning. But the Son of Man came, the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family, do not make a practice of sinning, because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Praise the Lord. So the first word we look at is he who every man that has. And I have said put your name in where you see Every man that has. What does has mean in that sentence? It means a possession, having. That is, taking ownership of something. Anybody that has, there is something that you need to own. And what is that? This hope that we are talking of that you should have is eternal life in Christ. Jesus. Having a contact with the Lord himself such that you can say, just the way you are sure of saying your name, that I know Jesus. If you read John chapter 3, that's the gospel now, from where Jesus talked with Nicodemus, he said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I want us to get that passage. John chapter 3. Except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And like most of us, Nicodemus thought that going to church, being a member of the Anglican church, being a member of Chapel of His Resurrection qualifies you that you are already born again. You know, in the follow-up class, sometimes when people come for follow-up, we say, give us the testimony of your salvation. Let's know where you started so that we know how the Lord has dealt with you. And some people will begin to tell us about the goodness of the Lord. You know, God has been very good to me. If I tell you what God has been doing for me, eh? The testimonies of how God has dealt with me, they are very good. But that's not the salvation. I want to tell you, that is not salvation. God's goodness to us is to draw us unto salvation. So if all that you know about the Lord is that God has been good to you, today, I want you to give your life to Christ. You have been following him because he is good, he is good, he is good, he is good. And so if he doesn't, if you tomorrow at any point in time, he doesn't look to be good again, you will turn your back and say, God is no longer the one worthy to be followed. So in your own interest, if that is your testimony, today, as we call for people to give their life to Christ, please come up and give your life to Christ. For some others, it is that, well, at one point or the other, I just stood up and answered the altar call. And that's it. And you think that because you just answered the altar call, perhaps a half-hearted commitment, your mind was not even there and they prayed for you. You say, okay, that's enough. It's not enough. It is not enough. Because the Bible tells us that you, there is a believing that changes your life. You know, if you read... 2 Corinthians chapter 5 from verse four, uh, 13 down. He says, One died for all, therefore all died. Therefore, those who live, we no longer live unto themselves, but unto him who died for us. So until that believing has affected your life, your thoughts, and everything, you don't have it. Some of us are like, we just gone born again. I were like a, a young mother who had a baby. You know, had a baby like that. And they snapped the picture. Very beautiful baby. And the baby, you keep seeing the picture. But you just threw the baby aside. 
Never fed him. Never took care of him. And the baby died. Was even buried and forgotten. But you are carrying about the picture. You will show everybody. Ah, I had a baby. I had a baby. That's what your born again looks like. I had a baby. But the effect, the baby cannot be seen. The lifestyle cannot be seen in you as a mother. You are not born again. Come and be born again today. So that having is an assurance that will be clear in your eyes. It will be clear in your heart. Nobody will be telling you that you should know yourself. It's something you have. I have this Bible. It's my own. And I am sure it's my own. I hold it. I hold it. So I am not in doubt that I have it. So if your salvation is such that sometimes you are not even sure, you are not, you, you are, you are not here, you are neither here nor there, please, salvation is too important for anybody to place your life on a balance. You know, you, you are, you, some of us will say, no, mbelu ebanwa. Mbelu se kamalo. Eluzi ebanwa no. Mwe unye tukwa no shwe ebaneje. No, yifu ebanwi welo. You, you, it's a very costly assumption. Very, very costly. Because by the time you now realize, you don't have time for amendment. Now is the time. The prayers we say in the Anglican communion. God, give me the time for amendment of life. It's now. That amendment of life is why you have the breath of life. So, I don't want anybody to miss this past of this message. Do you have that hope? What is that hope? Eternal life in Christ Jesus. He said, he who has this hope. If you now read the verse before that one, what is the hope? The hope of meeting Jesus face to face. The hope of being resurrected and being like him and having eternal joy with him. It's not the hope of having all the good things of life. You know, when we, some of us, if things are not going just the way we want, we don't have the kind of car we want to have, we don't have the kind of house we want to have, our children are going to, not going to the big schools we want them to go, we just think that God is not good enough. And maybe this salvation business, it doesn't really, I've not got it. It's not, that's not the hope. God will give us all those things. So, but the hope of, we are talking of here is the hope of resurrection. The hope of eternal life in Christ Jesus. So that one is there. Even when you don't have all the other paraphernalia that go with it. You may not have because you may not have all the good things in life. You may even be suffering, but if you lay hold on eternal life, that is the hope. And that hope is enough to keep you going. It's enough to keep us going and going and going. You know, Paul wrote in Second in First Corinthians fifteen, verse nineteen. He said, If it is only in this life you have hope in Christ then you are of all men most miserable. If all that that hope brings to you is that, oh, I will have this and have that, you can't even have it enough the way unbelievers have it. They have it and with impunity, they do their thing. The person I work with in the office, when their location comes, the, the way corruption has been going, they chase the money into his account. So he will tell us that the money is not even noticeable. When you put it in your breast pocket. So who should come and ask him to account for it? You won't have that boldness to do what they do. So your hope cannot be in those things. Our hope is an eternal life. That we have in Christ Jesus. So the Bible tells us that he that has this hope. This hope of eternal life. This hope of meeting Jesus and being like him. Purifies himself. That's the third word we are looking at. He purifies himself. You know, talking about that hope again, I want to mention that some of us, because of our obsession, just like our brother Dr. Okoye talked of last week, 
are engrossed with obsessions that we are not even thinking of that hope. I want to encourage you. If you don't do it, occasionally find time, maybe weekly, to sing about heaven. To think of heaven. Because that's where your anchor is. How many of us know this uh, SS and S 1000? Shall we gather as a river where bright angels been gathered with the crystal eyes forever that flows from the throne of God? Oh yes, we shall gather at the river, the beautiful, the beautiful river. Gather with the saints of the river that flows by the throne of God. Do you think of heaven? That anchor that should hold your heart when everything around you is going upside down. Some of us Christians, as a mother of one person, somehow, you don't know how it happens. Sometimes the person loses that child. Will the person go back? If your anchor is not on eternal life, there are things that will happen and your faith will be shaken to the roots. So think of heaven. Hold on to it. Think about it. Meditate about it. And then if you have that hope, we purify ourselves. Purification is, in this case, the way the Bible puts it, it's a continuous thing. It's a continuous thing. And what are we purifying ourselves from? From sin. I want us to read our passage again from verse 4 to 10. It says, Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. And when we read this passage, you will find out that there is a continuous sense to the practice of sin. What we are talking of now is not about sinless perfection. That is, that you are just there and nothing should come near you and you are perfect. Just You are already the way God wants you to be. But we are saying that this passage is telling us that any Christian, in quotes, because you are a Christian in quotes until you prove to be one. Who continues to make a practice of sin is not of God. That is to say that even if you are answering evangelist so, so, and so, evangelist that continues to sin is of the devil. You are apostle. Fine. Apostle that continues to sin is of the devil. You are the follow-up teacher. Follow-up teacher that continues to sin is of the devil. What does it mean to continue to sin? You know that when you start this race, I want us to read about one or two passages about what the promises that God gave us. I want us to read Ephesians 2, verses 9 to 10. Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 9 to 10. Praise the Lord. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. No, so that none of us can boast about it. It's a gift. It's a gift. He just gave freely like that. And having received that grace, God gave another promise in 1 Thessalonians 5:23 to 24. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 
I want to read it from this version. It says, Now, may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen. For he who calls you is uh, faithful. He said, that, I, I, that standard of making or being holy and blameless or at his coming, that God will do what? Make it uh, happen. So that's a promise he has made to us. And then in Luke chapter 12 verse 32, he says, Do not be bothered, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So God himself has given us promise to be sure that he wants to take us to heaven. He wants us to have that eternal life which is in Christ Jesus. But we must not forget that there is a path that he has left for us to play. That's why I want us to read Second Peter 3. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 14. He says, and so dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. Does this contradict what we said in, what God said in 1 Thessalonians 5? No. He says, already he has provided the condition. If we read again in Peter, he said, everything that pertains to life and godliness, he has already made available for us. He has made it available for us. But for us to now take him for granted, and continue to live our lives anyhow. You know, so many of us, when some teachings come, we just take it like the one that helps us do what we want to do and go away like that. Grace. 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 I love that message. Because no other person, no, nothing else will save us but grace. But grace empowers us to do what God wants us to do. Because grace is available, we will be able to be found without spot or wrinkle. He said, make every effort. Make every effort. Many Christians, the way they, they, they live, the, some of us live, is such that we don't have a check. We set out to do something. And that thing we know is against the word of God. We wake up in the morning and plan it. In the evening, we, we fine-tune the plan. The next day, we add strategies to it. And by the third day, we are fulfilling it. And there is no check anywhere. You are not a Christian. I stand to be disproved that any Christian who gets up and plans sin, you, you are making it a practice. You want to do something. And this, you, there is no check in you when you want to do something that is not right, something that is contrary to the word of God. And you begin. Let me I give an example. You are keeping malice. Let's not talk about stealing or doing. You are keeping malice. And some you have checked in your heart. This person offended me. I'm not going to talk to him. In short, that's the end. I wouldn't look in that direction anyway. And you do it for one day. And another day, after you have seen the person, let's say that on the impulse of the moment, you didn't even look, you didn't respond, you didn't look at the person. Okay, you, you will go. And then, there is no check in your heart. You are not a Christian. You don't have the Spirit of God. And so it is with every other thing. That's why some people in this church consistently come late. They have no check. You come late this Sunday. You come late another Sunday. You come late another Sunday. It's a habit. There is no check within you. There is no prodding inside that this is not of Christ. Something is wrong with your Christian life. 
It's a mere claim. Our brother John wrote it. He said, anybody who claims, so you can go about claiming, saying, I belong, I am. But the true proof of it is that the Holy Spirit is able to checkmate you when you plan, when you want to do anything that is contrary to the word. So how is your life? Do you live your life every day just the way you want? And anything you want, you do. And at the end of the day, you will say, This passage we are often quoting in First John chapter 1 verse, I think it's 9. Verse 8 and 9 say, if we claim we have no sin. If you read that passage well, it said, if we say we have no sin, singular. If we claim we have no sin. And what is sin? Self, agitation to do evil. It will always be there. It will always be there. The devil will keep suggesting through your natural body. That you should do this. A, a brother that I respect very well was telling me one day of how he was passing a bank. And somehow in his heart, the devil started giving him recipe of how that bank could be boggled and you, you will get some money. He said to me, hey, God forbid. So the agitation inside, it will always be there. But he said, if any man sins, an accident, an accident, if, I don't know how many of us who go to Oka, who go to Anisha, I travel every week, at least two, three times a week. I don't factor in accidents. I don't pray for them. I don't bring them in. They just happen as accidents, if ever they do. So sin in the life of a Christian is an accident. You cannot make a practice of sin and say, I am a Christian. It's a mere claim. It has no place in the word of God. There is no grace that covers it. So, today I want you to look into your life. Is there something you are doing and you have begun to offer explanations? Please, 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 please. It is a spot. It is a wrinkle. And what do you do to spots on your clothes? What do you do? You pick that spot and wash it much more thoroughly. You give it a greater attention. So if there is any aspect of your life you have come to explain away, remember, Peter told us that we must be found without spot, without a wrinkle. Without spot, without wrinkle. So if there is a wrinkle in your life now, you better begin to address it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, when we have come to know that there is no hiding place, there is nothing we can do about them. Grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Doing what? Teaching us to deny ungodliness and live a godly life. That's what grace does. Grace doesn't give you license to just behave anyhow. Live your life anyhow. And then you turn and say, it's grace, so it's grace. God will help us, it's grace. It's not like that. We need to look into our life. Praise the Lord. And so having come to this understanding, there are one or two things. These are things we have been doing, you know. These are things we need to know again. And keep doing until the Lord comes. And if you have not been doing, you should start doing. Things that will purify us. Activities that we need to do so that we will be pure. Let's look at one of them in Jude chapter 20. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to sing it. If you can learn it within the two, three times, I'll sing it. Very good. Because if that song is singing in your heart, it will help you. My dear beloved, building up yourself. On your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourself in the love of God, 
waiting for the masses of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. That's what Jude told us. That we must keep ourselves where the love of God will reach us. And the way I illustrate this is that in the village where I grew up, you know, as I don't think there's anybody who is stupid enough to wear white and walk into the meal. You will be stained all over. Is it not true? If you wear white and the best place you will think you should go and stay is here and there, your dress will be filled with oil, spots, wrinkles. Or if you are the, the, when they were using mud to build houses, if that experience helps you, you will wear white and you go and stand where they are throwing mud. You know? What will you look like? You will be stained. And that's what our life Many of us are like. We are wearing white. We are Christians. But our company, where we spend the greater part of our time, are among people who have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Your choice of friends, your social circle. There are people who have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. You will not come out free. Proverbs told us that a man cannot carry a flyer in his bosom and not be burnt. You can't. You can't keep close to people who, who have no hope of eternal life and hold family to yours. Because their father will tell him, tell them to take it away from you. And that's what they will do. So where do you, what, the, the, the probability that Jesus will come on a Sunday, I don't know if you can do it. If you spend four hours eh, on, on average church service, and I know that most people in this church do not come for midweek service. So if you put four hours and divide it over 24 times 7, is there anybody who is fast with mathematics who will give us what that probability is? It's less than 1% that Jesus will come while you are in the church. The probability is very, very slim that Jesus will come while we are in the church. So he will meet you outside the church where you are with your friends, where you are with all the other people who have no relationship with the commonwealth of Israel. So are you sure that where you are, that the love of God is reaching you there? God does not ask us to remove ourselves from the world. But he started separation himself. When he said, let the light be separated from the darkness, he was beginning a separation. And that's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, he says, come out from among them and be ye separate. If you are separate, a young girl who is separate and an unbeliever comes to marry you, you will find other believers to tell them, Hey, I don't think I want to follow him. Then the person will talk to you. But if you are among people who don't have this faith, they will tell you, Time and you will go and you will lose your faith because when you go some of these things are like you, you, when God says it you will say you will prove it wrong you will do another thing and at the end of the day you find you can't change it you will find yourself still caught up in the reasons why God was encouraging you not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. You think you can get through. You will, you will be able to manage. You will be able to get through. 
But eventually you find you are unable to. So make up your mind today to change your social circle. Change your friends to those who will help you run this race. Praise the Lord. Another thing we must keep doing is to wash ourselves with the word. Ephesians 5.26 says, the washing of the, uh, the body with the word. We must wash ourselves with the word of God continuously. Some of us are too busy to read, to study. But we should take time. Because it's only the word of God in us that will be able to drive sin. John Buyan told his convert then, he will always tell you, this book will keep you from sin. Or sin will keep you from this book. If you are a friend of the word, it will keep you from sin. But if you keep the word away, you will be in sin. You will find yourself struggling with sin. Praise the Lord. Another thing we must do also is that we must deal with secret sin. I call it the sin under the skirt. The sin under the skirt which nobody is looking at. Nobody might even know about it. But it is there. Sorry, let somebody read for us 1 Timothy 5.24 from the Living Bible. 1 Timothy 5.24 from the Living Bible. Praise the Lord. He said some, some people, even pastors, do some commit sins and everybody knows about it. And they are judged. There are some people who will say anything. They have an opportunity to do something about it. But for some others, their own is under. Nobody knows about it. He says only the judgment day will reveal those ones. I pray this prayer every day. I say, God, please let there be nothing in me that you will live here, and then it will become a problem in eternity. From dressing, to food, to relationship, to anything, let there be nothing in my life that God will just look at and say, oh, did they go so much? This one, let me leave her. On the judgment day, she will answer for it. Is there anything in our lives that we are putting behind Nobody knows. And when we see here, we say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It will matter on the day that we may not be able to do anything about it. So, I want you to pray that prayer also. Ask the Lord to deal with your life today, now that you have the opportunity to make amends. To make amends, so that I will not be ashamed the day I will see him. I will not be ashamed. Praise the Lord. You know, there is nothing like instant holiness. That's why those uh, virgins, when they were told, go and buy, what will they buy? They have nothing to buy now. They cannot go and start learning how to be sincere. How to, there are so many things in their life that God might have wanted to teach them long ago, and they refuse. Now, God said, Jesus said, go and buy. Is there anything that he will tell us, go and buy at the time he now appears? It will be terrible. It will be terrible. So let's know that now, it's not a matter of knowing that Jesus will come next year. Until you make your life a life of short account, a life that is ready every day, so that if he comes in, if he's a visitor in your house, there is nothing you will say, let me go and cover this. Let me, just don't come in now. Let me sweep this part. That aspect is very important that we deal with it. Praise the Lord. We must deal with that one so that when we see him, we will really be as he is. 
And another thing we also must do is to pray. To pray. To be in the place of prayer. To make our lives pure. To purify our lives. Prayer is very, very important. It's very, very important for us to keep praying. And our prayers, many of us don't have time to pray. We don't. And we just come in and make our supermarket shopping and we go. And that is all we do. Even the grace and mercy that we need to live the Christian life, many of us don't even ask for it. We just ask for things that are ephemeral. And we receive and we keep going. We need to pray. And if you have a problem praying, I have a recipe for you. That recipe is that frequency of prayers increases fervency of prayers. Frequency of prayers increases fervency of prayers. If you pray only in the morning and go, by the time you are coming again, time has gone. So many water has crossed under the bridge. But Daniel showed us a pattern. He said he will pray in the morning, he will pray in the afternoon, he will pray in the evening. And for us, under grace, we should even pray everywhere. And that's why Paul told us, pray without ceasing. Everywhere, every time we are praying, we are communing with God. Father, look at this challenge. This person wants me to do this. I don't want to do it. Help me. So that communion helps our life. It helps us walk and run with caution. And then we also have to preach the word and actively serve the Lord. How does preaching the word help you get purified? You know, I work at Orca. And every time I travel. And when I started, I could have just been going, uh, an easygoing Christian. Who does not want trouble? Who does? Sometimes in that journey, some people will really look for your trouble. And make you say things you shouldn't have said. If you know that journey, you will know that the women there know how to provoke you sometimes. But immediately I started that journey. I made it a point of duty that I will share the word of God. And so having shared the word of God times without number in that journey, I have set a standard. I have set a standard around me that I am a child of God and I cannot come lower than that level. So when you come to your office and you share the message of salvation with people around, you have set a standard. In short, unbelievers know how to measure us. By the time you are about to do one thing, I say, ah, I don't know that Christians will do this kind of thing. They will become the one who will measure you and they will help your life. They are helping you so that you will keep your life pure. You will keep your life pure. But if you come and you keep quiet, you don't tell anybody. Nobody knows you. They will even bring suggestions for you. They will tell you what to do. But if you have already said you are a Christian, by the fact that you share the message of salvation, they will know. Uh, the person I was working with, when, he went, when I was a signatory to the account, he told me that uh, the person there before, that what they do is that uh, he will take 100,000. Then he will give that one 30,000. That's my faith. He doesn't know. I said, thank God you know about that faith. I don't want. Keep the money. The money is meant for the office. We will use it to work. So, but if I had been just... A nominal Christian who stays in the office, does not share with anybody the message of salvation, maybe they will start bringing pressure. Go and bring receipts that you did not do. Go and do things that you have not... You know, so many things go on in the offices. And if you don't have a stand, you will compromise. So, and serving the Lord... Serving the Lord actively. Serving the Lord actively. Many of us belong to activity groups. Very good. We all belong to different activity groups. 
in this church. But what do you do in the activity group? I don't know. If you take this book and place it on the shelf, between now and Friday, what will you see on the top? Dust. Dust. Anybody who is not actively involved in serving the Lord must struggle with sin. Dust. You will struggle with compromise wherever you are. But we have talked about having this hope. Do you have this hope? Do you have this hope? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? I'm not talking of coming to church. I thank God you come to church. But have you ever come to him and had an encounter? A submission to him that makes all the difference. Today is the day of salvation. Today, the prophecy said, you have always thought you, want, you, you know me. That you, you, you are always there. And every word of God, you put a shield and it falls off. You put a shield this way, it's off this way. You put a shield this way, it's off. Today, do not leave this church the way you came. Don't leave this church the way you came. God is making a pointed call to people who are in this church who have covered themselves with the leaves of religion. With the leaves of religion. You know when God was looking for Adam, he said, Adam, where are you? Adam was busy making leaves to cover himself. That's how some of us have covered ourselves with leaves of religion. Self-righteousness. My friend told me that the grandmother said that everybody will repent. And I believe it. Everybody will repent one day. But it is where you repent that matters. Some of us will repent in hell. And by then, it will be too late. Some of us will repent when they are closing, they've closed their eyes in death. But then, it will be too late. It's your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Do you have eternal life? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Today is the acceptable day. This is the hour of salvation. You don't need to put it off any longer. Every day you say tomorrow. At the beginning of the year you say, ah, I will take a new year resolution. Your new year resolution has not worked. Today is the acceptable day. This is the hour of salvation. Would you arise this morning and submit your life to Jesus? One of the people that preached to us, a man of the full gospel, Dr. Dama, he will tell us that when I say, if this were gold, and I say, come and take it, you will dance and come and take it with all boldness. But when I say, come and take eternal life, some of us want everybody to close your eyes and lie down and leave the church before you will come nicodemously and start telling us, and I would have given my life to Christ. Come and give your life to Christ now. That is what makes the difference. That you know what you are taking. It's a precious thing. It's a precious thing. We're going to pray now. Your decision is up to you. When you go from the church, stand in the mirror and tell yourself, if I go to hell, nobody is to be blamed but me. Stand in front of the mirror and tell yourself, if I go to hell, that injustice, I did it to myself. Nobody did it. Can you stand up now and begin to come up if you want to give your life to Jesus? Eyes may be closed, eyes may not be closed. In January 1977, Federal Government College in Ugo, my first year, 
eyes were opened and the same call was made. Walk up and give your life to Christ. The preacher didn't say close your eyes. But right where I was sitting as a young from one boy, I was battling with my spirit. And the spirit of God had already told you, today, do not harden your heart. Old or young, let heaven reckon with you for once. The song we sang said, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you daily walking by the Savior's side? Do you rest each moment in Him? When He comes, will your robes be white, pure and white in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. And what this church, God told us, is to prepare people for heaven so that none of us will have an excuse. This is your chance. And please, if you haven't settled the witness that you are sure that the Spirit of God is in you, walk up. We will pray. Let people look at you and remark you, but let heaven rejoice that one person has come home at last. That message says everyone that has this hope of eternal life, of making heaven, purifies himself. And you've looked at your life, and you have seen wrinkles, you have seen spots, you have seen blemishes. The psalmist told himself in Psalm 51 verses 3 and 4, I acknowledge my transgressions, I acknowledge my strayings, I acknowledge my compromises, I acknowledge my habits, I acknowledge my besetting sins, I acknowledge the weight that lay easily with me, I acknowledge them. And my sins are before me. I am careful enough to acknowledge them. I don't want to carry them anymore. The passage we read in First John chapter 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins sincerely, He will not count them against you anymore. He is faithful. He is just. He will cleanse. He will forgive. He will start anew with you on a fresh plate. And finally, Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, We have a great cloud of witnesses who have run this race and kept the faith. They are on the platform of heaven. And they are watching you and I now. They are seeing the open life. They are seeing the ones below the skirt, below the trouser. They are seeing the besetting sin. They are seeing the straying. Wherefore, lay aside every weight. That easily has been hanging by you. And the sin that you say is my shortfall. It's my besetting sin. It's what I usually will fall into. It's my habit. Lay them aside. You have the power to take that decision now. Then you can run with patience the race that is set before you. So wherever you are, if your spirit is already telling you because you know, you acknowledge them. This is me. This is where I have been compromising. This is where I am not found pure waiting for the Lord. Please stand where you are. So we'll pray them together. Can you pray for yourself? Tell the Lord, you have set me as a city on a hill. I will not be hit. That's what God told us at the foundation of this chapter. That he's going to set us as a city on a hill. And so let our light shine before men that they will see our works and they will glorify our Father who is in heaven. Tell him also that he also realized that in the age in which we live he told us in Philippians 2.15 that you should shine in a perverse and crooked generation among whom you live Live as sons of God, blameless, showing forth, shining forth the word of life. Speak to God, sitting or standing.
Tell him, Father, that's me. With the help of your Holy Spirit, no one can be blameless, I assure you. No one can live every day purified, I assure you, by the strength of his own will. It is only by the mercy, the Spirit of God. And so you are telling him, Holy Spirit, I want to cooperate with you. Fill me. And every day make me just listen to your guidance, to your directions, to the words to speak, so that I can live a life pleasing to God. I can live a life on a daily sanctified basis. I can live a life that they will look like the children of Israel and look at Daniel and say, Men in whom the Spirit of God is. These are men who have put themselves on for their God. Can you pray that prayer? And let the Lord hear us as a people, as a church. And the Lord himself can begin to use us as he has begun to. And make more manifest his grace upon us. Please pray. Open your mouth and pray. It's not a time of close prayer. It's a time of making declaration. Last Sunday we made declaration on our death and life. This Sunday you are making a declaration and say, God, I want to shine as a light. I want my life pure before you each moment. I want to live blameless. I want to live a life without spot or wrinkle in which you are well placed. Spirit of God, help me. I want to live under your cooperation. And by your power, Lord, so I want to be. That you can make manifest your grace upon my life. That you can do the utmost with me. That you can shine forth through me. And you can use me as an instrument of righteousness. Repeat this short prayer after me, my brother. Lord Jesus, I come to you. I repent of my sins and of my past life. I surrender. For my sake, you have spoken. And Lord, I give you my life. I give you my heart. Come into my life today, Lord Jesus. Be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my past. Cleanse me. Make me your child. And give me the power to live for you. From today to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name. Lord, as many as receive you, you gave them the power to be your children. They were born not of flesh, not of blood, not of the will of man, but by your power. Lord, let that change that comes about, that no man understands, be transforms a man's life and grants him the peace and joy unspeakable and brings witness that we belong to you. Lord, be his portion right now onwards in the name of Jesus Christ. May he walk and live as your child and under you and by your grace. And may he walk Open up the life unto eternity in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, as you manifest grace and mercy upon him and through him. In Jesus' name we pray. For those of us who are still standing, we pray. Can we just put our hands on our chest and say, Father in heaven, thank you. You have spoken about me, and this morning, every wrinkle, every spot, every blemish. Every compromise, every weight I've been carrying that has not been sanctioned of you, and every sin that easily besets me, I lay them aside. By your enablement, I lay them aside. And Father in heaven, by your spirit, I arise from them, ready to obey you, live for you, give you the honor and glory, and live to your praise. Thank you, Father. As you hear me, as you forgive me, as you cleanse me with the cleansing that comes from the sacrifice that Jesus has made. I will live and shine forth your glory in this crooked and perverse generation. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And Father, for every one of us, Lord, by your enablement, no man of his own can live a righteous life. All our righteousness is like filled rise before you. But as we come into the blood that Jesus shed, that remitted our sins, that covered and removed them, and that made us acceptable before you as your children, and wherefore we have the boldness to enter into the throne of grace now, and receive mercy and help in the hour of need. Lord, we ask that Lord that same blood that speaks better than that of Abel, avails for us and makes us a you, cleansed of you from every stain and from every compromise in the name of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, find in us again a pure heart, 
a clean hand, a soul that is not lifted up to vanity, that can stand before men and stand before heaven, and with whom you can boast before the devil, and say, have you seen my son, have you seen my daughter, an upright one, that excuses evil, and that fears me. Lord, by your spirit, we live to so do in the name of Jesus Christ. As we live conscious of eternity every day, as we live conscious of the role you've placed on us every day, a city set on a hill that cannot be hid, Lord, manifest your grace through our lives in the name of Jesus. Now. In righteousness, in love, in peace, and in your power and presence in the name of Jesus Christ. For the kingdom of God is not just in meat and drink, but in love, in joy, in peace, and in power of the Holy Spirit. May that be seen in us as a people from today, again and again, on a daily basis in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Use us for your own greater glory. You've begun to use us as points of light in our different places. Points at the federal, points at the state, points in the institutions. Lord, may we are. It is not because we are too big. It's not because we are very large. It's because you have found favor in us. Lord, may we represent you to your own glory to the uttermost in the name of Jesus. And having found such, may you raise many more from here who will stand like Daniels for you and with whom your heart will be pleased. And the world can still see your grace made manifest. This is a portion. This we stand upon. And this we believe, O God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Receive every glory, honor, power, dominion, and majesty that, Lord, as we have this hope of eternal life, we remain pure by the leading of the Holy Spirit. It has not yet been said what we shall be, but Lord will know that when he appears, and even while we live, we shall be like him. We shall live like him. We shall speak after him, and he will manifest your presence and power to this generation, and take all the glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh